it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones. Dave Jones, it's Blue White Breakdown time, Indiana week. We can talk about Ohio State. We're going to talk about the Phillies too, but. I wanted to start with this, Dave. You asked James Franklin after the Ohio State game about his one and nine record against Ohio State. You know, being a referendum uh, on his time at Penn State, he preferred to talk just about that game that day, but he did answer it a little bit on Tuesday. He said it's fair game to talk about it. He does like to be judged on his entire body of work, but he said absolutely it's fair to to look at that one and nine record. Your thoughts? Well, good for him. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I, uh, you know, the one time I really liked Franklin was after the 2018 game when he completely lost his mind. Yeah, about the elite stuff and 1% better. Yeah. Because he lost control. He lost that constant control. I mean, honestly, could you believe that he started the press conference with, I don't, I don't know if we didn't see the two best teams in college football at that point, I almost, you know, if I'd had, if I'd had water, I would have done a spit take. He was talking. He said defensively, Dave. He said especially. Then he said especially the defense. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. still that would not. That was not one of the best offenses in the country we saw either. Either side or best prepared. I'm glad he finally came around and answered the question. He said, I believe he said he wished he'd answered it Saturday. Really doesn't. It really doesn't matter. But just the fact that he began with the happy horse shit, you know, on Saturday. <laughs> I I actually liked the fact in five years ago that he just blew a gasket. He did blow a gasket. Because it showed that, you know, we all know they care, but really fans want to see that he he acts like he's trying to earn his money, not that nine and three every damn year earning what he's earning seven million a year is good enough and that is the implicit suggestion that oh well this is a really good ohio state team he can't beat them (laughs) and this was a chance to beat them this you would agree this is the best chance i think you said after the game he'll never have a better chance to beat he might never beat this was that's why i think i think when you look at this whole era i think you could say I would put this up as the most disappointing performance by a Penn State team during his time, during his time in State College, just because of the talent he had at his disposal and the quality of the Ohio State team Penn State was facing to see this, it was bad. I saw a bunch of imbeciles' comments on our last podcast that, <laughs> that acted like I was saying this team is the equal of Luke Fickle's team in 2011. No, I'm saying... You know, no, uh, because people hear what they want to hear and they're stupid. <laughs> it is the least impressive Ohio State team back until that one, starting with Urban Meyer's first team in 2012, 
up until now. Would you agree with that? I, I would agree with that. Yes. I'm, I just did a quick Rolodex, but yes, I would. Agree yeah. With that. I mean, they've had some impressive ball clubs. You looked around and there were almost no weaknesses. They had a couple of teams with leaky defenses. Uh, the, the team that lost uh, 55-24 to Iowa, the team that lost 49-20 to Purdue. But this is not that, man. I mean, they they have a better defense than that. But their offense is ordinary without Harrison out there and without a couple of real weapons that they could have had. I mean, they played by Ohio State standards a C game uh, with a by Ohio State standards in the last dozen years a D team by their by their standards. And Penn State still couldn't get close to beating them. That's bad. That's pretty pathetic. No Denzel Burke, no Henderson, no Egbuka, and they still they they separated from Penn State, right? It wasn't much, but once they got once once they got a little margin, like you're watching it in the press box and you're watching Penn State's offense just really, really just kind of run in place. They couldn't do anything and, and run in place. <laughs> run in place. That's it, it was it was kind of sad, and I just uh I mean, there, there's really uh, it, it falls on the offensive coaches, it falls on the players. But Dave, it's it was it was the goldenest of golden opportunities, and they just they just squandered it. I feel bad for the uh, the defensive players. I know they gave up some yards to Harrison, but Dave, I wanted to ask you. I th- I think they got super frustrated. The defense, uh, you know, J- James is talking about being a one possession game. We were in it. We were in it. Not going to pull Aller. And then he goes for it on fourth and four halfway through the fourth quarter in a one-possession game when the offense is struggling that badly instead of trying to pin Ohio State. It was exactly the kind of thing he's always done, that desperation move that makes you look desperate. It, it, it connotes to the rest of the team, hey, we're going to need something crazy to win this game. That's the wrong message to send to your own guys. I mean, they look, this offense is not built for quick strikes, it's not built for fourth and four, it's not built for much of anything, but it has to adopt an Iowa mentality, like a, a decent year Iowa mentality. I don't even think, I mean, this Iowa offense that's a good so way to put, That's a good way to put it. It, it, it has to adopt a good year Iowa offense mentality, which means tight ends, control the ball, move the sticks, hopefully run the ball, short passing, and do what you can in a phone booth just to shorten the game and then let your defense win it if you can. Get close. And the archetype of that was the 2016 Iowa team against Michigan. And if if they can do that, and they have the same kind of defense, they have a great defense. I mean, the only thing they probably didn't do all that well was locate Harrison on every play and absolutely take him away. I would have I would have bracketed Harrison much more often, had a safety over the top, and just say, "Look, we might be beaten, but Ju- Julian Fleming's going to have to beat us. Uh, Cade Stover's going to have to beat us, and he might have, but just not give him Harrison, not give it to him, and, and you can't cover him one on one. I think they did it a little too often, but otherwise, I mean, a, a great plan by Manny Diaz and a, a great execution of that plan by the defense." You have to let your defense try to win games because they don't have the offense to go for it on fourth and four. They don't have the offense to do stupid things like the flea flicker into the short side. What are you doing? 
this super genius Wiley Coyote play calling. And it, it, it wouldn't be what Kirk, you know, we make fun of Kirk Ferentz now, but we forget about him five, three and five and seven years ago when they pulled off. Some, I mean, you remember the time they, they went to the Big Ten championship game a couple of years ago, got mashed by Michigan, but they were there. I mean, that's how they did it. I, 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 if you remember that 6-2016 game, which was a 14-13 win for Iowa against the number two ranked Michigan team, which was looked at as just as infallible, unapproachable as this Michigan team, that's what they have to try to do because that's all they got. They don't have the ammo to do anything else. Yeah, uh, and so I just uh, it, it's the more I, I I try not to think a lot about that game in Columbus on Saturday. But it just keeps creeping into the back of my head that um, I, I've never I've never seen you. I mean, I thought it was you like real competition. You like great games. You love covering great games. And the the real takeaway from your attitude after that game was how just deflated you were about how what a what a dud of a game it was. It was deflating. Yeah. It was it was like it was futile. It was almost futile. Uh, watching they, they just kind of they just couldn't do anything on offense the adjustments weren't there um they never got they never got the young quarterback comfortable at all and then Dave the capper for me was I'm sorry those wide receivers like I mean if you want to put some of the blame on Drew Aller you can because some of it was his but <laughs> those wide receivers are not are not going to help him and in, in a against a good defense and and I could see a, I could see why a young quarterback would get rattled because there's nowhere to throw the ball. Just, yeah, what do you do? Um, and and that to me is an, uh, unless something there's a reversal of fortune that we don't see coming. That is going to be really the this. That's going to be like what I'm going to remember about this. This I'm not going to remember this great defense. I'm going to remember they had the whole off season to try and patchwork something uh, in the receiver group, and, and they just don't. They don't have any. They don't have any options to to threaten. Uh, a decent defense. They, they they didn't. They couldn't do it against Iowa, um, and they couldn't do it against Ohio State. And it's just um, there's been there have been less talented Penn State teams. I thought on offense, fight harder to stay in in a game against Ohio State than this one did, and that also kind of bothered me a little bit. I didn't. I wasn't wild about the effort, quite frankly, on offense. Yeah, and I don't. Uh, something we haven't really talked about, but their interior lines getting a crap beat out of them again we don't have to name names here but guard center guard is not looking all that great and they they got blown up inside and that's another thing Aller's got to deal with uh and he had a bad day let's not sugarcoat it he threw some passes where they weren't even close to the receiver little out routes five six yard out routes that were there and he just missed them badly but he's dealing with a lot of detriments that that over time, give you a lack of confidence. Every every football team is about trust and finding your limits and dealing with your limits. That's what they call complementary football. And in order for the defense to trust the offense and vice versa, everyone has to know their limits and play to their limits. Uh, uh, a guy we both know, Steve Bench, <laughs> father of, uh, of Stephen Bench, who used to be a Penn State quarterback, he was an offensive line coach for a long time, and he he had situations in high school state championships games in Georgia where they won the game, 
where they were outmatched at scrimmage. And what he told his offensive lineman there is, all I want you to do is lose slowly. You're going to lose because these guys are better than you are. But just, just, just make it an effort for them to get through. You just need a little bit of time. And there is value to that. There, there are going to be matchups against great teams like Michigan that you're just going to lose. But you have to mitigate your liabilities, not expect too much, but not do crazy things. The, I mean, the, about the only good thing that you can say about this game is they didn't make a crazy, uh, a, a horrible turnover that went the other way. And they almost got one that went the other way that could have actually changed the game. Now, if, if they lead 10-3 instead of trail 10-3 at that point, do you give them a shot to win? Yes, I do. I do. I, I still think, though, that I still think, though, that Ohio State had figured out that <laughs> they, they, if they were up 10, I know, if they were up 10-3, they, they might even gotten more predictable and less and less aggressive. Dave, do you think, though, I'm thinking about this. Do you think Penn State, James talking about the identity, like protect the football, yada, yada. Do you think that he and Yursich have coached some of the aggression out of Drew Aller in terms of throwing the ball um, into tight windows? Because at some point in a close game on the road. You got to take a shot. You're going to have you're going to have to try. and. I mean, McCord took some chances against Penn State's defense. I know he had Marvin. But I mean, he threw some balls that were a split second away from being tragic for that offense. I just feel like Drew has been coached that if it's not wide open, either throw it away, hold on to the ball till it is wide open, and there's no one getting open. I just think that he is now uh, in a position where he's worried more about throwing an interception than trying to make a play, and I don't think that's good either. And, and there were opportunities to do that, but I think only really with the tight end. So do it. A tight end streak, 15 or 20 yards in between the hashes. Steel Chambers spent the second and third quarters cheating into the box to, to put a seventh or eighth man into the box after early on we saw a 20-yard run and then a 15-yard run by Nick Singleton in six-man boxes. If you watch the box, that's what the quarterback is watching. Of course, defenses tried to camouflage it and sucker you into a running play when they're going to run an extra guy in there. But they had it going. They had a possible play-action pass right down the middle going because Steel Chambers was cheating in there over and over and over right at the snap. You get him going forward, you go over the top of him. And that's all they have because their wideouts cannot get open against anybody. That was a losing game, even without Denzel Burke. It didn't matter. They had like seven different guys who could cover all of Penn State's wideouts. It wasn't even a competition. So I'm, I'm not saying just try a deep ball willy-nilly. But strategically, with a play action, that is that is the play. And they they could have moved the sticks and kept moving the sticks and been, been annoying to Ohio State that way, and they didn't even try it. Yeah. Um, before we talk very briefly about Indiana, because let's face it, it's just – I just wanted – I didn't really realize it because I was kind of focused just on – uh, you know, this game, get, you know, try and get, trying to get back into Pennsylvania. But I had no idea. I had no idea that Maryland, who I had thought might be a little frisky in a couple of weeks, lost at home to Illinois. You didn't know that? Yeah. 27 24. They don't, they're like cats, man. They're, they, you don't know about the day. I mean, that was the same day as, as the Massachusetts game here. And 
they they're like house cats in cold rain. They you know <laughs> they don't like playing in it. They don't like cold weather. They're two and six in the last two uh, Novembers, I think it is. And so it's getting to the time of year where if you get them in cold, damp weather, they don't like to play in that. They'd rather be 70 degrees in sunshine. So they'll probably be hell this week. Who do they have? Oh, they got, oh, they're in Chicago. So they can still beat this team, though. They can beat Penn State, especially if they get a fast track and they have a chance to do it because they got a lot of athletes. They're the same Maryland team they've always been with a better defense. Their defense is better than it has been. They've got some guys who run around and hit. Um, they're kind of a poor man's version of Penn State, really, in, in, except they got a quarterback who's the opposite of Drew Aller. They, they, he just flings it all over the place. And they have better wideouts for sure, in, including Caden Prather, a guy that Taylor Stubblefield was not able to recruit because the Penn State NIL situation was in such chaos and Maryland came up with the money and Penn State didn't have it ready. I mean, that's what that whole story was about. As part of what Stubblefield got blamed for, by the way, uh, him getting fired in a huff and a tizzy fit last January, before it looked kind of kind of rash, now it looks foolhardy is what I wrote, doesn't it? I just uh, I don't know if it was just that one moment, but I think that might have been the final moment for. Yeah, for- it was a it was a it was it was a lack of recruiting allegedly, and he didn't recruit all that well. I'll tell you what he did. His guys caught the ball. His guys got some separation more times than not. He, they learned how to run routes and catch the ball. These guys are just running around like it's recess in, in third grade. <laughs> At least you didn't say like fourth grade recess. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do in recess? We we did some crazy things in recess. Dodgeball, <laughs> kickball, but yeah, a lot of running around, not really just running up energy. You remember Red Rover? And that was a violent game. You you basically ran as fast as you could and tried to 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 run through arms that the people people holding hands like that. There could be girls, there could be guys, you just run <laughs> through it and rip their arms off. The the jungle gyms. You remember the jungle gyms oh, with yeah, steel yeah. aluminum pipes? Lawsuits waiting to happen. Lawsuits waiting to happen. We didn't know. If you fell off, you fell on gravel. (laughs) Man, I could have made a lot of money when I was a kid if I just would have. If I just would have. If what my. If what my. If what my fifty-nine-year-old self know knew then, I could have made a lot of money for my family if I just. Because my head, so it's it's so big. I really wouldn't have got hurt, but I would have got concussed. Oh, you're talking about a settlement. Okay. Yeah, settlement. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't do settlements back then, Bob. Sorry. <laughs> you play at your own risk. At your own risk on those playgrounds. They weren't ambulance chasers back there. Come on. We played a lot of football at Homedale Elementary. And then we came in and it was a mud pit by like we played through January, it didn't matter. And you came in with giant slathering like hipfuls of mud. <laughs> it's flaking off during during the, the, the during a lot, school. A lot like your current dog, Kaiser, right? Yes. Like no. Coming in, not that's why, we have, that's why we have the mud room. That's what it's called. Yeah. yeah. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Hey, it's Kaylee. 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. We're going to get to the fight and fills a little bit. Just right, real quick, Dave. Is there, is there anything rattling through that, that big brain ears about this game on Saturday? Is there anything you'd like to see? Do you have an idea of what, what the outcome's going to be, or is it just going to be typical? It's like the Northwestern game. I mean, you touched on it. It's like the Northwestern game in that everything is open. The, the Indiana secondary is all beat up now. Uh, they lost a couple of maybe two safeties, uh, probably just one, but maybe two. And if you're going to try stuff out and try to get Drew Ellis some confidence downfield, this is the worst team in the Big Ten right now. Tom Allen, God bless him, did a great job for a little while. National Coach of the Year during the COVID year in 2020. But he had Michael Penix. Kalen DeBoer was his OC. And then DeBoer goes off to Washington and says, hey, Mike, you want to come with me? <laughs> and now they're both in Seattle and they're undefeated. And Tom Allen's uh, sitting there with these ham and eggers at quarterback. He's got nothing but Jalen Lucas uh, as, as, to do on offense, Camp Camper, and that's it. I mean, they, they just don't have an offense. They could probably be out there eight quarters and score three field goals against Penn State. So this is the time. I would like to see it's going to be beautiful weather too. fast track, 75 degrees. So so go ahead and take some shots, man. Let let it oil him up. See how many times really let those wideouts go and see if they can get any separation at all. Throw deep slants, throw skinny posts, throw everything. What do you what do you got to lose? You can't it's you you can't possibly lose to this team. And that's also the way to get them juiced up. Because if you try to play station-to-station football in this game, they're going to fall asleep. Noon start, and they think they're going to win already. But I don't care. Cut it loose. Say, okay, we're going to cut it loose now. It's a way to get everyone jacked up a little bit because the only way you can get jacked up for Indiana is that they have lost 20 of 22 conference games. They are 2-5, and 0-4. None of their Big Ten games have been remotely close. They're averaging a loss of 38 to 10 in their Big Ten games. Uh, they're not good. They, they are legitimately the worst team in this conference. Cut it loose and let's see if the offense can get better and gain a little confidence in this game. Because Maryland the week after is not the time to screw around. That is a dangerous team on the road. And I know everyone says they always beat Maryland. Hey, this offense against that team right now, especially if the weather's good, that can be a dangerous situation. This team is, is not a walkover against Maryland by any means. All right. All right. Now, changing sports. 
here on the blue white breakdown. Oh, I don't even know if I want to do this. Come on, told, you know you want to. You I told Bob, you know, I really am not valid. I'm not worthy of commenting on this because I knew they were going to lose. Talking about the Phillies. Yes, after Nola. And by the way, let Nola walk. I, I knew he would gag that up on, on game six uh, because he's never – he had a great postseason up until now, I know. But he's like throws 80 pitches and uh, like, oh, I'm throwing 80 pitches. I, gotta, I, I cannot stand this latest trend of once a guy gets you into the fifth, then you start emptying the bullpen. Do you watch any baseball anymore? I do. I do. I'm a Texas Rangers fan, Dave. You know that. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, good for you, because I hated the Astros. I've got family in, in Dallas and Fort Worth, and they're losing their minds. And we were going to have a, a really fun time here with this World Series, and now it's it's over. I think Rob Thompson is just a typical career baseball dope, one of those guys who just just you know does does whatever his card says, and sometimes it can be goofy stuff. He makes goofy decisions, but but. Particularly, the Ranger Suarez taking him out in uh, Game Four, I thought was just awful. He he had more to give, and he had, was that Game Three, Game Four. I can't remember. He had he, he had more to Game Three, Game Three. He had more to give in that game, and that got the ball rolling in the in the in the wrong direction. Uh, and he always does that. He goes to this bullpen way too early, and frankly. Who is their closer? That's what I said in the mailbag three three weeks ago. Who's their closer? Craig Kimbrell? No, he's he's done. And I think you've watched watched enough of the Braves in the old days. It was like he's the shell of the pitcher he used to be. We never liked him anyway because he was a Brave. I remember guys behind home plate one game at the bank. There were like a group of drunk guys right behind home plate. And when he'd get ready to pitch, they all got up and did this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't, I didn't want him to be a Philly. Anyway, they depend way too much on home runs. They don't play small ball well. Um, they're a little sloppy on defense, except for Stott. Uh, Trey Turner had a bad fielding series. All of the top five had a bad, bad game seven. And if they can't hit home runs... Uh, once the Diamondbacks got into their bullpen, man, they are terrific. They are lights out. They're a better bullpen than the Phillies. And Rob Thompson acted like the bullpen was his strength. Well, it's it's hot and cold. It's hot and cold. And eventually you're going to get to a guy in Kimbrel or or Dominguez or or somebody who's who's going to give up a big tater. And I just thought this this team was built around starting pitching and hitting home runs and not a lot else, and probably got the, 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 the demise they deserve. But it, they're such a fun team to watch because they have such a spirit about them. So it's really, it's really sad. It's a very sad day. Well, uh, I do agree. As, as somebody, I'm not, I, I, I know a lot of Phillies fans, and I, I, I will say, though, that the atmosphere that, that has been created uh, in Philadelphia for those games, the way that team feeds off of it, and when they get hot, when they do get hot, Dave, it really doesn't matter who's pitching, but you just can't always maintain, I guess, that. And when, that's the beauty of Game 7 is once 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 things don't go your way in Game 7, literally anything can happen. And and you're, I did think that I was – I didn't realize how good the Diamondbacks' bullpen was. Yeah, they basically got it from everywhere. 
I mean, that, that bullpen didn't exist in August. They got everyone at the trade deadline. It was a very interesting philosophy that a lot of people are probably going to copy now is just spend the tra- trade deadline on bullpen guys. And, and it was, it I up. thought it was a very gutsy effort by Merrill Kelly to get them through yeah. uh, game six to, to create doubt for game seven. And I do think the Diamondbacks are sitting on a lot of young talent that I don't know that this was going to be a fluky year. I think that Brandon Fott, is going to be a, an ace for them, and they have a lot of talent that we have. They're like the Orioles in a, in a sense that their their best days probably are not were not this year. They're probably going to be in the next three to five years, and I think they're they're going to be heard from. As Kurt Gowdy used to say, their future is still ahead of them. <laughs> <laughs> as it always is, Kurt. <laughs> as we hit the twenty eight minute mark, we're hoping for good sunny weather on Saturday at Beaver Stadium, Penn State. It's a CBS game, so who knows who's calling it, but Penn State is at noon. Is Vern going to be here? I don't think – I think Vern probably has veto power at this part of his is life. Jack, <laughs> is Jack Nicholas coming? the trip to State College. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, yeah, they don't, they don't have a heck of a lot. They've got all sorts of quarterback issues. They've been playing a kid named Brendan Soresby, and they fired their offensive coordinator a couple weeks ago, Walt Bell, three weeks ago, and they – they brought in the former Temple coach and Northern Illinois coach. You know about him and Temple fans. Uh, this is the guy that, that, that Temple hired after Manny Diaz walked after a week and a half. They're just a mess. Uh, I mean, Tom Allen had this thing taped together with string and bailing wire, and it's, it's all come apart. And the, the whole problem is he's got a $20 million buyout at Indiana. <laughs> Did you know that? No. Yeah. So it's like they can't fire him, but who would they hire anyway? I don't know. I mean, it's it's and that that buyout's in effect through next season before it finally drops down to eight. So their hands are totally tied. Yeah, they they signed him to that in early 2021. The, the new athletic director who's still there, so it's his problem. And, and basketball season starting, they don't care. They're they're the reverse doppelganger of Penn State. I've always said that. Indiana football is Penn State basketball. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. That's it, Dave. I'll see you up at uh, Beaver Stadium in a couple days. Did you do your prediction? Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't give it out. I, didn't know if, I don't know if Penn State fans care. I, I picked 38-3. <laughs> I honestly don't think they care. I don't think they do either. See you up there. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Live.